Seraphim, welcome to episode 22 of The Voice of Seraphim, recorded on Saturday, April 23rd, 2011. The Voice of Seraphim is your source for all the news and information related to Magic Online and the Seraphim Clan. Seraphim hosts a weekly tournament, monthly leagues, and other regularly scheduled events, including a cube draft. We use voice chat and have an active forum at seraphimclan.org, where you can find out more about us. In today's episode of The Voice of Seraphim, we'll be discussing the recent Scars of Mirrodin block and standard tournaments, this month's league, and the, and the upcoming Scars of Mirrodin block league starting next week. This week, Eldritch Song and I are joined by Avenged, Fracture, Joey, and Prism to discuss the possibility of a Commander League and possible Clan Players Club. Welcome to episode 22 of The Voice of Seraphim. Can we get a round of introductions? This is Elder Song, uh, your clan captain and your co-host. This is the Avenged 44, um, long-time member. This is Joey SKSWT. Uh, we're about two months now. And was Prison coming in? No, I think he was uh, just going to hang out there and do something else. Okay, cool. Well, I was planning on going through recent events, um, update folks on upcoming events, and talk about the spoilers. No, sounds good. Cool. So, does anybody remember Scars of Mirrodin block tournament last Saturday? Ooh, last Saturday. Let's see. I need to go back to the pairings to refresh my memory there. Looks like Wahoo Junkie beat Dark Worship. No, we must have talked about that. No? Because we didn't... Never mind. So we haven't talked about that. Dark Worship couldn't join us today because he's only got his laptop. I remember vaguely what was going on <laughs> in that tournament. Well, oh, Dark won. Hmm. Do no, we, uh, Wahoo, do we, one. Oh, yeah, he did, didn't he? That's what that W means. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Let's check out his deck. Maybe that'll refresh somebody's memory. Uh, he was playing the mono-white aggro build with, like, hero blade holds and tempered steel and all those nasty creatures. Nice. I like hero blade hold. I think also one of the key cards that he had, like, there were actually were a few instances of his deck that appeared, um... So, you know, if you look at the, uh, the tournament results on Magic Online, like all those daily events and things like that, that deck has been doing quite well. Actually, one of the dominating decks of the, uh, the format right now. And uh, I think one thing that was different about his deck uh, in particular that kind of gave him an edge up was uh, that he had main deck White Sun Zenith. That gave his deck a bit of late, uh, a late game action. I believe Grey Edge was, uh, he's one, see, the top four was Dark Worship, myself, Grey Edge, and Wahoo Junkie, and Grey Edge was, I'm pretty sure, playing um, the same thing, uh, except, you know, minus the White Suns, you know, and a few other differences between their two decks. Um, I was playing uh, Grixis Tezzeret, and I'm not precisely sure what Dark was playing. What is Grixis? Red, red, blue, white. I mean, red, blue, um, black. Yeah, red, blue, and black. Uh, essentially, it was. Uh, I don't know if anyone's been keeping track of his Tesserator or his Tesseret thread, uh, Dark Worships on the forms, but it was a block version of a Tesserator. So basically, um, four Tesserets, three Coughs, and a bunch of you know utility artifacts, tumble magnets, uh, you know, Mox Opals. Things like, you know, of that nature. Actually did quite well, surprisingly so. I never, I hadn't seen that combination of colors in the block for a while, and I didn't know if that would work or not. Turns out, though, turn three cough is pretty sick. 
I'm guessing so. And the best possible play for that deck would be like turn three cost, turn four Tezzeret, and then win, essentially. Yeah, Tezzeret is pretty vicious. What are all the red cards it runs? Uh, Galvanic Blast, um, it runs Slag Storm, uh, it also, let's see, I'm trying to think, Koth, and can't think of if there's any other ones there. How does it manifest? Just the Steam Vents? Um, just the, the, you know, the, it runs all the duels. Uh, four of each duel and the Scars Block, Black Leaf Eclipse, and the, uh, the blue black one, whatever the name is. You have, you have things like Spirit of the Sun and all that stuff that manifests. Yeah, exactly. Spirit, like, it's got four Spirit of the Suns, like I said, Mox Opals, the four duels, Dark Slick Shores, and Black Leaf. And, yeah, you know, just those. Um, I think the way I had the man base set up, uh, between all the lands, there were ten of each color could that, that could be produced, plus, you know, the Mox Opals uh, that could produce anything, and the Spirit of Suns that can also produce anything. So it's really, you know, really about 16 of each color, which actually worked really well. How many actual... Um, the thing with Koth is, how many mountains do you actually run? Because his ultimate's, you know, based on mountains... See, though, the way the deck works is that you don't... His, his ultimate is not the point of the card. His ultimate is not... You know, you almost never want to activate it. What you're using him for is the 4-4 the four, four mountain with haste. So really, you only need to have one mountain to play with Koth. So I run six mountains in the deck, um, and that's enough to activate Koth, or to get Koth's like, ability going every single time. Okay. I, I, I just noticed I have problems when I don't have enough mountains running Koth. His other two abilities lose value. If not completely. And like I said, you know, he's mainly there just for the hasty, hasty four-four. Take out planeswalkers. Really good at taking out planeswalkers. Yeah, and also he can be used as mana acceleration. Um, depending on what I'm, you know, what I'm playing against, I do bring in a couple of big bombs. So like, there's a few like there's worm coil engine uh, and things like that in the deck that can bring in against certain decks. But yeah, but it turns out you know the mono white decks are pretty amazing in block right now. Hero blade hole is just uh, you know full of win. It just dominates the games. And earlier today we had a standard tournament. Yes, we did. If I understand correctly, you won? Um, no. I almost won. It was uh, Leonard McCoy that actually won. What was he running? Um, Leonard was running, let me think back like a few hours, um, he was running Boros. What were you running? I was running, well, I've been on Tezzeret spiel, so they're always running Tezzerator, but actually the way it was meant to be run, uh, the standard version of it. And honestly, I, I do think I could have won that match. I made a, I made some pretty bad mistakes in game one, and then game three, I got completely manuscript. Like, I had a mountain into, uh, uh, what is it called? The land that kills non-basics. I forget what the name is called now. Anyway, I got totally manuscript that third game and couldn't come back. The what that destroys non-basics? Land that destroys oh, non-basics. Tectonic Edge? Yeah, Tectonic Edge. That was the card that I had. I had that and two mount, like that and one non. So I had, you know, a three-color deck with one color out on the board. So that didn't work at all. And against Boros, getting a slow start like that is just you're just dead. It was over pretty fast. My third game. Nice. And uh, did you play against Dark in that game? Um, I did. I played against him in the Swiss rounds. And what was, uh, he, was that a mirror match then? Um, kind of. He was missing um, a few of the cards that I had in my deck. He was running a lot more big bombs. Uh, he was running more Inferno Titans and more Wormcoil engines. Um, I guess the main difference between my deck and his was that I was running Jace the Mind Sculptor, two of those. Oh, I bet he's very upset with you. Well, I mean, he ended up winning. I mean, our our match wasn't that exciting because the entire time I just drew the, I had the worst draws and uh, like the entire like the entire time we played, I never once drew any of my planeswalkers against him. Just kind of. The- way the deck wins, so it's kind of sad not to do that, but he ended up uh, winning 2-0 against me in the Swiss. He just kept drawing Inferno Titans and Wormcoil Engines, and he's also, I guess one of the big things about his deck was that he, I guess instead of running like Jace, he had um, 
uh, mimic, mimic bats. So like game one, um, I made the mistake of playing a um, precursor golem, and so obviously after that, oh, once he got that, nice. Nice. yeah. So that on mimic bat is pretty much game over for me. So I had to concede that game pretty quick. Uh, and then you know, like I said, the next game I took out all my creatures because I only you know, I only run like two Inferno Titans and I don't know a Worm Coiled main deck. So I took out all those and just kind of win via Planeswalkers. Everyone saw any of those. So bad draws mostly. Yeah, that's. I characterized a lot of my pretty key matches, uh, like, you know, like, like especially in the finals against Leonard. Um, those games were, you know, they were good. Like, the first and second games, those were very good games. Uh, like, the Manuscript one is just, you know, that's you can't help that. Uh, so I did face him very, the very first round in the Swiss. Uh, ended up winning against him 2-0. Uh, then, I, you know, I faced Dark Worship next, lost that one, and then uh, barely switched past uh, Scala to get to the, the playoffs. I'm trying to remember what Scala played. I'm pretty sure he played um, uh, White Knights. And that was actually kind of difficult in some uh, some parts because he had um, the Honor of the Peer card that made all the white cards plus one, plus one. And he also had the Knight that makes, you know, everything indestructible. So, yeah, I mean, it was a difficult matchup between me and him. But uh, once you get, you know, once this Tesserator deck gets going, you have your three plans workers out. Like, Jason and Mindsculpt are working together with Koth, and Tesserator pretty hard to pretty hard to beat. Jeez. And the deck essentially is just... Planeswalkers plus, you know, removal and control spells. The only thing I noticed at their standard term is that we didn't really have people playing Cobblade, at least not that I noticed. So that was a nice change to see people playing different decks. I think the only, like, really, like, you know, competitive Tier 1 deck that I actually played against was against Leonard, who had Boros. That's surprising. Yeah, it is. I'm not sure whether people just... I, you know, I don't think it's because people couldn't afford to play Tier 1 decks because, you know, you see people, you know, competing all the time in those kind of tournaments. I just think it was, you know, maybe people wanted to do something different for a clan tournament. Yeah, I've, I've noticed that when we do our standard tournaments, I miss this one, but um, they just like to change it up. Usually you get half and half. You get half, you get some people that are just using, like, really um, top of the line Tier 1 decks, and you got some people just using homebrews or whatever they have on their kitchen table. I mean, I think in all honesty, like, my deck is probably the most expensive deck being played tonight. Mm, expensive doesn't really equal that much. Well, uh, expensive does equal pretty good cards. Well, yeah, that was, you know, that was it. Didn't see any kind of Valakut, didn't see Cobblade, didn't see that, you know, didn't see, I don't think we even saw Vampires or anything like that. That's because Avenge wasn't in it. <laughs> One thing we did see, and then I played in the top four, was uh, I was faced, I faced uh, the Pastafari in for, uh, the, the semifinals, and he was in his uh, Animal Crackers 2.0. Animal Crackers? Uh, yeah, the, the green-white version of uh, Beastial Menace. That's where the, uh, the deck gets its name. Uh, playing that, plus uh, Nest Invaders, um, Elspeth, Terrell, uh, Lotus Cobras, you know, things like that. Uh, and with the object of either, you know, pumping them up via, like, Beastmaster's Ascension or uh, Eldrazi Monument. The deck actually worked quite well. And I'm, you know, I'm almost sad that uh, I had to beat him in the semifinals because he's been wanting to get that, uh, that Animal Crackers trophy for a long time. And so our next tournament is the Classic Popper tournament it's Friday night at 8 p.m. Seraphim time. Yes. What is the? Can you give us a league update? Um, I can sort of give you a league update. Uh, what's going on is that the Clown Magic League has finished, um, and all that should have been taken care of last week. But I've been pretty busy this week with final exams and uh, things of that nature, so I haven't gotten around to updating all the rankings. So I'm going to do my best to update all of that tomorrow uh, and make sure we know who um, who won. Right now, it looks like Matthews Meg won, uh, followed closely by uh, The Avenged and Easy Pickens. That's probably the way the 
order is going to shake out. Um, can't tell at this point whether, you know, who's going to take second or third between Easy and uh, The Avenged, but I'm pretty sure Matt's got first. And so, it was, you know, our, this last league was, I think, Clone Magic is probably one of the coolest things this clan has, you know, been doing since the queue. Um, and, you know, it's too bad that we only had nine people playing in the league total. I think we could have done a lot better than that. Um, but overall, I think the league was really successful and got some people to play in the Clone Magic uh, tournament each Sunday that, you know, didn't do that before. Uh, so hopefully we can just keep on improving that format and getting more people to play it. Um, but that league is over, and like I said, I'll have the ring updated soon, um, and we can get those prizes handed out. And it's also supposed to be a new league, which, like I said, I should have posted that this Monday, uh, but it'll be up this next Monday, by the time you probably get it, probably after this podcast comes out, or, or actually before, excuse me, uh, and there'll be a league uh, a new league up, and what we're going to be doing is Scars of Mirrodin Block, so that's going to include uh, Scars of Mirrodin and Mirrodin Besieged. Cool. You can take my tickets now. Yeah, I feel, I feel like people like playing with current sets more than perhaps older sets, um, because just because they have all the cards already, they don't have to go out and purchase so many. I think people are just intimidated by uh, playing with cards they're not familiar with. Um, you know, going, like, especially Claw of Magic has, you know, a classic card pool. They see all those and they think, well, that's, I have to learn all those cards and learn all this, you know, learn this new format to even be competitive or, you know, like playing with older sets like Odyssey. Like Odyssey Blog, people just kind of are afraid to jump into those but haven't been playing with them for a while. Uh, so it's nice to go back to a new set where people feel comfortable and can actually get back into the league. And, you know, I like, I like to see some more league participation. I think it's a great, you know, a great event and we need to have you know, more people, you know, involved in it, make it, you know, fun. But obviously, the more people you have inside of a league, the better it gets. That makes sense. The, the only problem I've noticed is, like, a lot of times I just don't have time for a league. Like, if I do that, I can't do anything else. <laughs> well, man, I guess it depends. I mean, the thing with league is that you're essentially, what, playing five matches a week? I mean, if you play Magic, you know, on a daily basis, you probably play more than five matches every day, just in the casual room. I mean, sometimes it is hard to find league matches with clan members, but, you know, that's something you can just do, you know, look for while you're playing, you know, other things. Hey, Fracture. Hey, guys. Sorry, I'm late. No worries. Thanks, Never for, me. Thanks for joining us. And part of the idea was to um, to make a format that was time-independent so you could play it on your own schedule, but I can see, like, if you, know, if you don't have that much time to play Magic, then joining the league would just add even more of a burden to, you know, your already limited playtime, but there's some people that are just, you know, on a lot, but they just can't make it to our, you know, normal tournaments because of the time zone issues, or maybe they're working, or what have you, so the league is just a way for them to play, you know, whenever they're on, but if you're already limited in your time, then maybe it would be a bit hard to make room for a league. I mean, it, I do, because, I, like, I personally spend a lot of time, but I spend a lot of my time playing limited. When you're in a league, you have, you constantly have people trying to hit you up for games all, like, the whole time you're on, so if you don't like that, it's not really a thing for you. Yeah, I agree. I don't think the league's for everybody. Sometimes, you know, it can be more of an annoyance than, you know, fun for some people, but, you know, like, I feel, you know, people like Matthews, Meg, Greenism, they kind of thrive on that kind of environment, so it's nice that at least they're enjoying it, and I think there are people like that out there in the clan that just haven't found the right format to jump in there for the league. Uh, Matthews, Meg must be going infinite with league. He is, he is. All, he's, uh, I think he's only paid for one league, and then the rest is just kind of carried over from his prize payout. I believe it. So, um... I'm actually looking for uh, the next, uh, Build Your Own Standard tournament. Just two weeks away. So, um, do you mind giving us a refresher on, like, how much it costs to enter the league and, um, 
the process, like the first week is test week, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. So what's going to happen is that this Monday I'll put up the new post for the league, and um, that sh- that'll have all the rules and everything like that on there. And you can, you know, go. To, it'll have like a summary on that page, and there's a link to the the longer version if you want to go back and read through all that. Uh, but hopefully I'll be able to hit all the high points in the summary. Uh, but the way it'll work is that the entry fee for playing in the league is five tickets, uh, and that is one of the few events that we have that actually costs something to enter. But the reason is we add all those tickets to kind of a large prize pool, uh, which you know, the top five players split uh, at uh, at the end of the league, so it's kind of a way for you to make back some of your, you know, back some money and just have a thing to compete for. And plus, about 30% of that goes toward the clan and, you know, finances our events, our prizes, and things like that. So it's a nice way to give back to the clan, plus, you know, put some money in there to win for a pretty big pot, you know, depending on how many people enter. Uh, so the way you register for the league is you just send me a message in-game and say, basically, like, I want to register. I will log on to Seraphim Vault, which is the account that holds all the clan's assets. Uh, I'll perform a trade with you and take your five tickets uh, and at that point I will uh, PM you on the forums a kind of a, basically a sealed pool of all the cards that you can use uh, in the league and just to be clear um, all the cards you're going to receive in that, that PM are all commons so it's a popper league so you don't have to pay a lot of money to enter uh, most of the cards you can buy your entire sealed pool for the most part for under five tickets so I guess total to play in the league for the entire month really is probably under ten tickets uh, depending on how you uh, go about finding all your cards uh, once you do that you just put it with your deck it's a uh, kind of limited format so you uh, build a 40 card deck uh, minimum and with the cards you got in your sealed pool and the first week is there for you to you know build your deck uh, register you know practice against other members uh, of the clan and then the week when the league actually starts is when you start playing against other people for match points uh, and so there you just log on and whenever you have a chance you just ask for a game in clan chat and then you guys play and once you have the results of the game you just report back to one of the event coordinators online and they'll catalog that posted on the forums and uh, all that stuff will be tallied up so at the end of the uh, at the end of the league we'll have a nice ranking of everybody that played and all those points that added up to see who the top five are and you said that scars of meriden block yes sir scars of meriden block you can put a post or something if you want um my bot holds mostly i have like mostly scars of, i have more scars of meriden than anything so if people need cards um i'll you know definitely give them a discount uh if they can't find the cards cheaper i'll definitely discount the ones i have because i have a ton of scars of meriden comments like 40 of each. Sure, just uh, if you send me a PM with your bot name, then they're all included in the post. What's your bot name? Drafters underscore repo. <laughs> That's a funny name. <laughs> Fitting. And uh, I guess before we get to the clan updates or developments that you wanted to talk about, might as well just go ahead and talk about the other upcoming events in addition to the classic popper tournament next Friday night, 8 p.m. Seraphim time. Um, there's a regular clone magic um tournament on Sunday evening. Do you know what time that runs? Let me check that out. Yeah, 8 o'clock Eastern Time. Okay, so that kicks off at 8 p.m. Seraphim Time. And then you hold pretty regular cube draft on Wednesday. I don't think it has an official start time. The start time generally is uh, we get together around 7.30 and the cube draft hopefully launches about 8, uh, depending on whether or not we fill up faster, slowly. When is the cube draft? You can um, pretty much count on cube draft being every Wednesday. Uh, it wasn't one this last week, but I'll, you know, we're going to get back into that schedule uh, this coming week, so Wednesday is 7.30. Uh, just be on be online and be around for the, the cube draft. And like I said, we can uh, handle up to 10 people in the cube, but generally once we get at 8, we, we launch as long as it's around 8 o'clock. Prism, if you're looking for an actual start time, that's usually 15 minutes before you log in if history plays out. <laughs> I get off work at 8, and I try and, try and leave as early as possible so I get back on time, but I always seem to arrive like two minutes after you've given out the uh, links. 
Well, I mean, if you show up right when we hand out the links, we can restart. Not a big of a deal, but, you know, after we've already drafted, like, the decks and our in deck building, that's a bit too late. Of course. Of course. Of course. That's ridiculous. Uh, and there will also be a cube draft next Sunday. Uh, I'm going to try to start doing it more often because I'm going to have some more free time. So I know people, you know, can't make it to the Wednesday ones because of their time zone or what have you or their work, like Prism. Uh, so I'm going to try to hold it more often the way people can get in there because the cube draft actually is becoming very popular. Cool. And so how many people do you usually have showing up for those? Well, the past few weeks we've always managed to get the eight fill up. Uh, sometimes, you know, we get new people that haven't played before to join in and make up the eight. Uh, sometimes we just have, you know, eight regulars show up and we all play. Uh, but we've almost always uh, met our, our eight people uh, requirement the last several weeks, which is nice. I think, though, like, actually eligible to play in the cube, now we have around 30-something 30, 30 some odd people uh, that are eligible to play. And I'm not sure if anyone's been paying attention that closely, but almost, well, not almost, but many of the apps we've been getting lately for the clan uh, actually have come to us because of uh, they found our cube draft videos on uh, our YouTube channel. Cool. And, uh, how many how many clans actually do keep drafting online? As far as I know, there might be one. I know there. I know that uh, Thea Darksteel from Star City Games has a cube with Magic Online. It's not an official clan, but I know like. From now, from time to time, they'll have a cube draft. But uh, for the most part, I think not only do I think we're probably the only clan that actually has events, period. But I think we're only, the only one that actually has a cube draft. And actually, if I've been looking around, like if you type in cube draft in YouTube, ours is one of the first things that show up. Um, if you type in cube draft in Google, ours is the first one that shows up. Interesting. So I've been hearing people that there aren't that many cube draft videos on YouTube, and that probably explains why ours is so high. That's cool. Well, logistically, logistically, it is um, quirky. So yeah, it also requires a lot of trust. I mean, we give up. Mind sculptors to people for a, a few hours, you know. Yeah, why does it well, remind me again? Why why it requires your presence? Oh, never mind. I'm figuring it out all on my own. Well, just to clarify for other people, because I've got the question several times. I, I wish it didn't require my presence because I would like because it belongs to the clan. I would like the clan to be able to draft it whenever they want to. Uh, the problem is that I have the account information for the account that the cube is stored on and you know we had this discussion a few times ago but you know I would perfectly like to hand it out to a few people that obviously we need to trust them because losing that entire cube would be you know uh, a tragedy a tragedy uh, but the problem is that I've been brought up that we do not want to have the cube banned because maybe wizards notice that there are several different IPs accessing it you know from different locations or you know, anything of that nature and obviously just the security risk of having more than one person have access to the cube is a bit um, you know problematic so that's one of the reasons why um, I do have that schedule posted on our forums where if I can't host one but I'm still around by my computer, I'm willing to, you know, help, you know, get the cards out and give them out uh, and then take them back uh, when you guys are done drafting or playing the matches, you know, et cetera, things like that. Uh, I just can't actually be there to play myself. But so far, no one's taken me up on that. Oh, cool. Can I make a suggestion about that? Of course. What about the idea of having two different cubes, like a powered cube and an unpowered cube, where the one that we're currently using would be the powered cube, and then the unpowered cube would be something that would be just basically a, a list of cards that we come up with similar to the way we do clone magic, or maybe even, it even could be uh, the clone magic, where everyone already has access to the cards and you just draft, and that way there's no trading that needs to be done, and that way if you can't be there, then it'll just be the unpowered Cube that I see what he's saying. Basically, we could have specific, like, theme cubes every once in a while, something like that, or a clone cube. I mean, we did it for an extremely expensive collection of cards, which means it'd be much easier to do it for a less expensive collection. Like, I don't know, it seems like an interesting idea. Yeah, and, you know, I agree with that, but I think, you know, one thing we're missing is that the draw of playing the cube is the fact that it is a power cube. Right, I wasn't suggesting uh, replacing it. It was just more of 
along the lines of when either you can't be there or if we wanted to do multiples a week and say the powered cube would be on Wednesday and the unpowered cube would be on Sunday. Or just, I think, just having kind of a backup in case the cube's not available would be useful for people that would want to show up and be like, oh, well, the cube's not here, but we can, you know, do the commons cube instead. I mean, there's a lot of people that like popper cubes and uncommon cubes and stuff like that. I mean, it's not, it's, they're not like they're horrible ideas. They do have follow ones. Yeah, I, you know, I agree. And I think that's a good idea. And I think if we were going to do that, then probably we should use the, the clone magic pool. Because to me, that makes sense on several levels. Because, first of all, we, that pool's already been tested for a long time. We know that it can make, it be pretty competitive. And it's also very cheap. And then we also know that if people end up picking up those cards, they can still use them in the clone magic tournaments. That's a great idea. I like them all. And, I, you know, like I said, you know, all that sounds great. Um, the problem, you know, the problem being that uh, somebody would have to organize that. Because obviously, if I'm, if I'm not there, if I, if I was there, I could do the power cube, but since the idea is that it's going to be run in my absence, that somebody else will have to be the one that takes care of the organizing of that kind of event. I think that's generally true of all of the events, possible events. Um, mostly, I think the organization for that end would just be the uh, the need to do the win-losses, because that file that's spit out from that web page, because uh, basically we could have a, a separate web page that's set up to be, say, the, the clone magic cube, and once you've drafted it, you just need to know how to convert that into a deck file. Wait, didn't you just find a way to make that easier to do, Song? Um, kind of. It still requires... Well, I, mean, I guess if the, the reason that it'd be a lot easier to do it the way Fracture is saying that is with ours because the people should already own all the cards so they wouldn't have to actually perform any trades. So in that case, people wouldn't have to send the tech fo- text files anywhere and they could just load it directly into their client and build a deck that way and they wouldn't have to go through converting it to deck files, etc. Yeah, that was the idea. The issue that I see is that um, I guess one thing we could do is that um, I think it's as long as I just like schedule the you know a draft, say like I just say you know straight out that this draft is going to take place on let's say like four o'clock at some date, um, and then just people will show up, and I don't need to be there for it to happen, so it'll still happen without me necessarily being there. But somebody I think would have to at least be willing to ch- take charge to make sure everybody you know joins the the you know the draft online at the same time, and maybe somebody will have to do the pairings and the you know the results and things like that. But otherwise, you know, I don't think it will be like you don't need necessarily somebody that's just a single dedicated, you know, organizer, but we would have to have somebody in that draft be willing to take on some of the responsibility and make sure it, you know, it happens without a hitch. Well, you just have tertiary people that you just essentially, like, if you know on Monday you're not going to be able to be there on Wednesday, you make a post about it on the forums or you message several people in game saying, hey, I can't be there uh, Wednesday. Can anybody else be there? And then somebody says, yay or nay. It'd be nice to have, like, a, a sign-up sheet, you know? Just have that there and just say, okay, the key graph is going to happen here and put, like, slots for it, sort of like the way, uh, almost the way, like, the, like the, like the draft queues work and Magic Online. Like, you have, like, certain slots where the draft should happen and then people can sign up for certain slots. I think the idea was that we could have a, a section on the website set up for that. Just, like, only one person, like, you have eight, ten slots for the cube, and then you put in, like, the first person that clicks on it is now res- has reserved the cube for himself. You know what I mean? No? Do I no, I know. I'm just not sure how I'd make that interface. Maybe just have a post that people respond to, and the first eight people that respond are the ones that are in. Or maybe have, like, a Google document that people uh, have to link to and that they just put add their name to the certain time slot. I think the easiest way to do it with just our current architecture without having to go out and do a bunch of stuff would just be a weekly post, like, in the cube forum that says, you know, cube for third week of April, uh, sign-up sheet. And then everyone just signs in. If you want to be on it, you just post, say, I want to be there. Next person, I want to be there. Next person, I want to be there. Tell people there's not going to be any discussion in there. And then at 
after the, the week is over with, that thread just gets locked and you make another one. Or just renamed or deleted or what have you, yeah. Oh, yeah. The reason I was suggesting just locking it instead of uh, deleting it is that way in case you start getting overflow. Like, if the cube can only support 10 people and you start getting into the areas where there's 12 people, then you could basically say, okay, the 11th and 12th person, if they wanted, or first and second person the next week. No, that makes sense. I agree. The problem, you know, I guess not really a problem, but we do need to make sure that people are interested in that kind of thing. Um, because I guess one of the problems is that it would be nice if we had all these time slots People are like different, you know, different times, different time zones, and I think maybe collectively they might have like at least eight people willing to play in that kind of thing. The, the fact that you know maybe they couldn't all get together at the same time to play. You could just start not something we would do right away. Say we do that in like a couple of months, and then between now and then during the uh, cube drafts, just ask if anybody's interested, and if they are, they tell them there's a section on the forum where it's being discussed. Yeah, one thing that's similar, and I think we should talk about this next because uh, it relates to this issue, uh, is that uh, me. Mifoy123 is um, what has been wanting to hold a clan uh, Mirrodin besieged Scars of Mirrodin draft. And the way that would work is essentially just the way it would work um, like a cube draft. You would take all the cards from Scars of Mirrodin and Mirrodin besieged and upload them to the same site that we draft our cube from. And that would be what people would use to draft the set and he's been posting about that in our player run events forums also our event forums and so forth he hasn't had too much interest in that um, so that's I guess that's kind of like the like a test run of what we're talking about here I'm not sure whether people would be more interested in you know, uh, like you said like an unpowered cube uh, but I guess it's the same idea of trying to hold a like a clan draft um, that seems to be a bit of a a problem for some people to get their head around. I think the only issue, um, well, it might actually be two issues. A, he's new, so maybe he's not getting enough um, uh, looksies. At, and the other idea is that maybe people that are really into drafting are really into drafting to get the cards after they're done drafting. Um, and they usually have the money to do so. So those are the, the people that really want to draft are already drafting. I think on their own time schedule, I think that might be part of the problem. Yeah, I agree. That's. I think the two main issues right on the right on the head. Those are good. I tried to legitimize it most by uh, responding to it, but I don't think I drew too many views either. But yeah, this is, this is something we want to do. I, I, I'll definitely support anything like that and try to make it as official as possible. So I don't know. Hopefully. If there's one person in this planet that does have some political capital, it would be me. So maybe I could get something like this going. I remember the mentioning to go ahead. I missed the first part of that. Are y'all talking about making like a current draft deal so we can draft? We were thinking about, or Fracture suggested that we make an unpowered cube that we could all draft. And we were thinking about using the clone magic pool uh, that people could draft that as a clan um, on those times when I'm not available to play with or to give out the cards for the powered cube. The thing we were talking about just a second ago was a guy in the forums posted a while back about doing a free um, Mirror and Besiege draft where you, we would just already have the cards and we would just do it on the same website as we do the cube draft. And that if we needed any rares, he would supply them for just for the event. I, I would definitely be down with doing the current, whatever the current draft format is, simply because it gets expensive drafting after a while, so some practice so that I don't lose the first round so often would be nice. Yeah, yeah. There's, a thread about it. There's a thread in the forums about it if you're interested. Um, that he started if you want to go talk about it with him and get some more interest in on it because that's kind of the issue is that there's not enough interest on it yet. Yeah, I would definitely encourage anybody interested in drafting Mirrodin Besiege and Scarlet Mirrodin to check out his thread. It's actually in the, the events forum and it's, uh, 
I can't remember the exact name, but it's like free um, Mirrored into Siege draft. Uh, and there's going to be a link in the show notes that are going to be posted with the podcast, so you can follow that if you want. Um, but he is trying very hard to get this thing going, and I think that he'll be consistent about it. So if that's something you really want to try out, you can at least be guaranteed a free uh, a free draft each week. And he says he has uh, most of the rares, most of the mythics. So uh, if he drafts, you know, a mythic from the you know this event that you don't have, he'll loan it to you, and you can give it back when you're done. So it seems like he really wants to make this thing happen. He just needs more people to to join in. The link for that is in the show notes. So you're interested in finding out more about that. I think I'm going to post, see if something comes of it. Um, and then you had some other clan updates, possible developments. Yeah, I just wanted to throw some ideas out here for you guys to consider. Um, it's been a while since, you know, I like to do things for the clan that's a bit different uh, each time because, you know, just to add on new things like when we added the cube and when we added in the league and all these things, just trying to make the clan more interesting. And uh, there's a few ideas that we've thrown, like we, you know, tossed around, uh, you know, a while back that I might want to revive or some new things that I was considering that would be fun to have. So I might as well discuss it while we're all here. Um, and one of the things that I was thinking about lately has been Commander. And I know uh, not that long ago we tried to get like a Commander League going on. And I'm just thinking that with all this, you know, Commander hype going on now and the new Commander decks coming out, but we might want to get more involved in Commander as a clan. Well, we've touched base on this before. I, I think the reason it didn't catch on is because um, uh, the idea of trying to get, we have, we'll have to have a fifth person keeping school with the system that you guys made. And that's what's free about that. Yeah, sorry. Well, the way the, the spreadsheet, see, what we were going to do is have a, like, an achievement system for Commander, uh, where there are certain achievements in, like, in the game, and you can do, like, you know, the first person to, you know, board wipe or something like that, uh, gets points. Uh, and what we had was a Google document spreadsheet that anybody could edit. Uh, and so whenever you would, you know, um, you know, fulfill the requirements of one of these achievements. You could go there and you could put an X, uh, an X by the, uh, the achievement, and then uh, if that happened, the points that you received would automatically be tallied at the bottom of the spreadsheet. We had that actually worked out mathematically. So uh, the problem that I think that we encountered is that um, people were unfamiliar with the achievements, and there actually were quite a lot of them. So the game went a bit slowly because people had to keep referencing the sheet back and forth uh, to figure out whether they had met any of the requirements yet, and the constant game to go a bit slowly. And you know, obviously, if you playing with one screen uh for me it's not an issue because i have dual monitors but some people play with one screen so they have to you know you know minimize magic online to go look at the achievement page and come back again and do that over and over again so that might have been the the hurdle we encountered trying to make an achievement system for commander i have a question sure um with i'm not as familiar with magic online uh, maybe as hopefully you guys can help me out with this is there any way that magic online keeps track textually what's going on like is there any way to to capture or save uh, what ends up in the little chat box off to the right? Print screen. That won't really help. I'm, I'm thinking of <clears throat> saving it as a text file, because that way you can just there is a <clears throat> dump it into, like, the... There is a chat log. That would be perfect, then, because then all you really would need to do is program, like, say, an Excel file to go through that chat log and pull out whatever information you would need for um, to deal with your achievements. That way you wouldn't actually have to even have the players sitting there watching it. You just need one of them to upload the chat log of the event, and then the... Uh, Excel spreadsheet could parse the file and pull out, okay, well, <clears throat> Dicax did this in this game, did this in this game. Okay, it's the fifth time Dicax did this, um, plus one to whatever the achievement is. See, if we actually have, I mean, I don't know how to do that, so if I someone do, does, you do. That would be awesome. There's also uh, a folder that keeps all of your matches uh, saved. But does it keep text information? Because I'm, all I'm really interested in is text information. I'm not, I'm not interested in going through and viewing things visually. Yeah, it does keep a chat log. All right, then, um, if anybody's interested in doing that, uh, I guess later on we can talk over. Uh, it would take me a little while to figure out how to put it together, but I know that it's basically possible to have a text file just dumped into an Excel spreadsheet. Each person would have their own tab on the spreadsheet, and when information went through and whatever achievements we had listed, uh, I could flag it off and then 
I could just upload that weekly or something like that. Well, that is possible. That would be amazing. You'd have to almost do some testing to make sure it works, but that, that's one solution to the, uh, to the problem of uh, how, how to figure out a way to make it less cumbersome to fill out these achievements. Yeah, I'm not really a programmer, but I've, um, I'm kind of a whiz with Excel. I've been using it since 1992. Well, I am kind of a programmer, and that just seems arcane, so I'm glad yeah, you're kind Yeah, it is, and I know it is. It's just one of those things that I, it's just the way I've been doing things for so long, and I do a lot of temp work related to that program, so. Arcane. <laughs> Arcane in both senses of the word. Magical and outdated. <laughs> yeah, I never learned that program in anything other than that. Yeah, it actually would be a very good solution. Um, just, I don't know, I just think that the commander format is probably going to get a lot more popular in a few, you know, just with these new decks coming out. We need to take, you know, do something, because I think it's one of the most popular casual formats in the clan, and, you know, all Magical Online just in general. Uh, I think we need to have more kind of clan events. I know some people have been, you know, they organize clan commander games now and then, but uh, it'd be nice if we actually had something officially supported by the clan that people could play in. Uh, we were talking about it earlier, actually. Somebody was saying they're getting kind of fed up with it because they play and they play these ridiculous decks. With Wastelands or be, something? Be, yeah, that would have been me. I've been getting a lot of pickup commander games, and they've been abysmal lately. People have just been making really degenerative decks, and it has been no fun. Yeah, but we all just can't quit when someone plays a deck we don't like. I'm sorry. Uh, after what happened a few days ago, I just... You can get upset with someone for playing a certain thing, but it is just a game, you know? Yeah, but the thing is, if, if we're trying to get a clan, you know, sanctioned, you know, little thing with a clan or we're all playing Commander, <clears throat> if too many people don't want to play Commander because of a certain deck, it'd be a good idea n maybe not to have that type of deck in there so that we can all enjoy Commander. Well, I think that's where the idea of the achievements come in because the idea there is it's not going to be how many times did you win or how many how overkill points did you do. It would be achievements. So the achievements would not would be like the amount of times you cast green spells or the you know some kind of ridiculous effect you got to go off or this is the 15th time you've been killed, stuff like that. Yeah, that's the whole purpose of the achievement system is to add creativity and like you know, more, more interesting gameplay to the format and not have it just be whoever has the most broken deck wins. So things like my amazing time skip deck would be very bad. Well, it depends on what the achievements are. I mean, to give you a for instance, if you've ever looked at some of the Xbox achievements, um, some of them are very competitive, but then one of the games I was playing today, uh, one of the achievements was you beat the computer AI with only one life left and you get an achievement. And then the other achievement that mirrored that was you were beaten by the computer when you only had one life left. Weird. It is, but it's just the nature of achievements. They can pretty much be anything. And so the idea is to use them creatively and not just lazily, I guess. Yep. I was just going to mention that there was an article on Mana Nation about Commander Leagues. It was the first one, but um, and I don't know what it said, but it caught my attention. And it's related to the topic, so I thought I would bring it up. Yeah. Maybe it has some... That's the, one that, that's the one that originally got us on this whole subject matter, because it's an old article, isn't it? No, it's actually a new one there, and I actually read that article, and I thought that's what actually spurred this uh, idea on to bring it up in the podcast tonight, uh, and it didn't actually have to do with the kind of league we're thinking about. Uh, it had to do with commander leagues and paper. Uh, as far as I could tell from reading the article, the guy was just talking about uh, just a general overview of how to bring commander players to come play in your card shop. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I don't think it wasn't an achievement system like ours. Uh, I was hoping that he'd have, because, you know, we'd already talked about, you know, achievement systems, so I was hoping that his idea would be maybe more applicable and we could bring that in easier than the achievement system, but um, he didn't really talk about anything substantive, at least in regard to the issues that we've been encountering in his post, but it definitely at least gave me the idea of talking about it tonight. Cool. 
And was there something else you wanted to date us on or put on our radar? Yes, just one second. One second. Well, uh, I was just putting that together. I was curious if we were going to talk about any of the uh, new Phyrexia spoilers tonight. No. Yeah, we will talk about the quote-unquote new Phyrexian spoilers. <laughs> I don't get the quotes. Anyway, uh, the last thing I wanted to talk about was uh, thinking about for a while, and I thought it was kind of interesting, though I'm not sure whether anybody else would think so, uh, but... I don't know if anyone's been following, like, the Star City Games tournaments or things like that. But uh, A little bit. One of the things that they have that I thought was pretty awesome is that they have their Star City Games Players Club where people get, like, benefits and things, uh, you know, bonuses essentially for playing in their events and winning and doing well. And nice. Things like that. Nice. So I thought it would be kind of awesome if we had that for our clan, kind of, uh, you know, the people that play in our events regularly and win, or just, you know, just for showing up, you get points, and, you know, have, like, a, a Seraphim Players Club where we give people benefits uh, for showing up to clan events uh, and things of that nature. Dude, you're brilliant. Just, just be careful, though. You don't want to make it too popular, because then they might stop doing pre-releases online like they do uh, at stores or at regional events. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess the question that I would like to pose, yeah, there's a few other things with the idea that I'd like to discuss later, but just to start off with, does anybody have any ideas what kind of bonuses we could give people? That's a good question. I mean, if you take a look at like the Star City Games bonuses, so like if you if you're like level seven, you know, in the you know players club, you get like a certain number of buys, and they give you free card sleeves, and you know, you get like a, a what do you call, what do you call it, like a um, appearance fee. Two hundred fifty dollar appearance fee. I was going to do that one. <laughs> you have to either go two ways with this. You either have to go the actual prize way, which means that the tournaments that these things would support would actually need some kind of prize support uh, from the players for that to really work, or it would have to be something along the lines of uh, promo cards that the guild is extras of somehow, or how we do the uh, the SIG pictures on the forum. It, it's a hard um, thing to do because you have to figure out how to, I mean, you could simply just give better prizes to get more people to come. However, you have to have a way to support the better prizes, and if you do it by collecting something from the players, then you're actually going to be cutting your player base because a lot of our players, you know, can't afford to be just putting stuff in all the time. Yeah, that's a point we addressed a, a very long time ago. That's why we ended up starting the leagues so we could use the payment for those as part of the uh, part of the money to pay for prizes. Yeah, because I mean, you know, the Star City Games can do that because they make, you know, probably a huge profit off of all their tournaments. Well, clearly it has to be smaller scale, but the general idea I think is a good one. I don't know what you offer, though. The only way I can really think to do it and do it well be, would, and not interrupt the way that we're already doing things. But then again, I don't know how this would go over. It would be to have separate events, like one event that's the free event for the week, and then one event that's the, um, you know, Seraphim Clan Open or whatever. I don't like the idea of, pre of making premium events. I don't know why that just... It's a bad tone, you know. Premium pay-for events within the plan that's mostly for... Yeah, that's also a good point. Uh, both of those are very good points. Because, uh, you know, there's been some talk in the past about, like, monthly fees to be part of the clan or, you know, anything like that. Just, I don't like the idea of a fee, uh, but, you know, almost it's kind of like, like a split in the clan. The people that say they wouldn't mind paying it and then people that say they had to pay anything at all, they would you know, just automatically quit and leave because they don't know, want to be forced to pay anything. And that, you know, both those sides make sense to me. Because uh, personally, I could afford to, to, you know, pay things, but I don't necessarily, doesn't mean I want to pay for things. So my, uh, the ideal solution for me would be to find a way, like, you know, uh, Fracture was saying earlier, just of to, uh, to, you know, finance sort of a player's club, but use it with resources that we already have or things that wouldn't cost us much money to do. So maybe I'd be free to make, uh, but would take some time and effort to produce. For instance, like the trophies that we have, 
Um, obviously, it doesn't cost me anything to make those. Just you know, a little bit of time and effort to put those up, uh, and those are things that I'm you know gladly you know willing to do just because it saves us you know tons of clan money and plus it you know it's a nice incentive for people. So anyway, those are like my initial thoughts. So hopefully, you know, you guys can come up with some stuff and maybe people that listen to the podcast can have some comments on the issue. I like the general idea. I, I do too. I mean, I would like the idea that we do. Um, I, I'd really enjoy doing, you know, more drafts. Um, then we do a, a Sild event. I mean, a Swift draft one time, Swift draft, uh, stuff like that with the clan. So we get people to do that. Just even, even if we just do it on Magic the Gathering online, I'll join the Swift queue, Swiss queue or something. Um, those are good too. A lot of fun. I mean, I don't know what you give people. I guess that's the problem. But, you know, there are certainly things you want to incentivize, which is, you know, forum post or, you know, like Matthew's Meg being in every league and, you know, people showing up to the tournaments and stuff. So, I mean, those are all things to kind of gauge people's activity. And it's nice to move to that kind of system rather than, say, the one that we have now. I don't know how hardcore we're being about it, but, you know, where you're kicking people out if they're not participating or not showing up for a while, you know what I mean? To kind of turn it on its head and and, uh, incentivize participation. You know, exactly. That's the way I want the activity policy to be from the very beginning. Like I mentioned before, like some other games I've played where, the idea was, you know, there was no application process. There was really nothing that kept anybody from joining. Um, the, the only, you know, what kept people in was, you know, the events that we held, you know, the things we did in-game, and those were the events. So that, you know, that determined what people did once they joined. You know, if you, you know, you can just join for free, but if you don't participate, you don't get any of the benefits that people that actually do play get. And part of that has to do with sort of like a player's club type thing. Like the more you participate, the more you play, you know, the higher your level goes up, the higher your ranking is, the more things exactly. that you're allowed to do. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, keep that in place, but also to recognize that, you know, some people are always playing in the leagues, they're always playing in the in the tournaments and stuff. I never play in either, and, you know, somebody that does should be recognized in some way, and that level system is kind of one way to do that. I have an idea. Um, with Magic Online, they actually have their own like events, premiere events, uh, release events, so on and so forth. Is it possible we could somehow work that into what we're talking about so that instead of it just being us trying to come up with something like on our own, it could be something along the lines of, okay, there's going to be you know a pre-release for New Phyrexia. It's going to be this weekend. Um, we're going to try and get as many people from the clan to join the, the release event that's going to fire at X time. And then we kind of cover our participation in the event and follow ourselves through the brackets and then maybe that can be posted on the web page and then maybe some kind of prize can come from that or maybe some kind of splitting of the overall prize if it's kosher with everybody could come from that i don't know see this is you know i would love to be able to do that to actually use the magical online interface to you know like support the clan system but the problem is like the clan system really is not supported by the game Uh, and in fact like it's actually against the terms of service to collaborate in that manner so they actually had like an official event that we said we want people to join and just be together and that will maybe split the prize that would be completely against all the rules on magic online and we couldn't get people 
like banned or removed from the game completely just because of that kind of thing. Then how about we all just join the tournament and then based upon our rankings in the tournament, we have some kind of exterior prize that would have nothing to do with splitting what was already in there. Is that against the TOS? No, but the issue would be like, let's say that somebody, you know, actually observes, you know, that say half the people that are in the, the event are, you know, Seraphim clan and they, you know, send a message to Wizards saying, I think these people are working together, even if we're not, you know, say these people are in the same clan and they're, you know, they, they you know, ganged up on me to make sure that I lost so their, you know, their people could win and that kind of thing could get us in trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see where you're going with that. I kind of wonder how the Wizards prevents me from doing that in general because you could have a group of like five or six people that are friends that all just want to join a tournament on, you know, at the same time just to play at the same time. And it just seems odd that they would then say you can't do that. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the same thing I would bring up. If I had to address the issue that anybody could do that, but the fact that we're an official organization as a clan and the client, maybe that means that we're held to higher standards or maybe because, we, you know, we talked to orcs about it, so it's not like they're like the final arbiter of all the rules because they're just, you know, volunteers. But you know, I guess the issue is that, you know, do we want to take the chance of, you know, someone getting banned because of collaboration or collusion uh, when we don't have to. And, and like I said, like, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a difficult issue that I would need to talk to somebody, like official wizards, to figure out whether or not, you know, what, what's going on there. But, you know, I don't have that kind of contact. Fair enough. Well, and your point about Magic Online not really supporting clans is, that's an interesting one. I haven't thought about that. But that's definitely true. There's no added benefit, yep. really, except for the chat chat window. Realistically, Magic Online doesn't support Magic, Magic Online. <laughs> also true. So... I mean, the, the championships are in the right direction, but yeah, that's a different issue. Indeed. So I did want to mention um, Toadie's MSS Drafts videos. I, I think he has two now that have been posted. He does. Uh, actually, I'm very I'm very pleased to uh, be able to add him to our, our video lineup because uh, up to this point, it's just been me and occasionally Posse joining me for like a team draft, so it's nice to have someone else's videos on the channel because I do want that channel. I mean, I named it NTGO Clan Seraphim, and I would really would like for the channel to belong to the clan as a whole, not just be like my personal video space. So it's nice that uh, Toadie, someone else from the clan, has actually gotten his videos up there. Well, there's a next two weeks. A substantive podcast it was. That's it for episode 22 of The Voice of Seraphim. A substantive podcast it was. I'd like to thank my co-host, Eldritch Song, and our guest, Avenged, Fractured, Joey, and Prism, for joining us this week. Members of the clan can join us for the next recording of The Voice of Seraphim on Saturday, April 30th at 9 p.m. Seraphim time. Until next time... This is Dicax, and you've been listening to the Voice of Seraphim. Mm-hmm.